As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Here we go in three, two, one. Oh, do we need to do the countdowns or no? Oh, yeah, we do. If your headsets are plugged into the laptop, you're, you're good. Oh, okay. The okay. Reason, I, thought, I thought you needed to hear, like, the audio over Zoom oh, but, hitting my microphone. Oh, that's right. Long-time listener, yeah. first-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> this, this should be the cold open right here, that we still don't know how this works. <laughs> the people who make this podcast possible. It's not just Amanda St. Hilaire or Jason Calvey or Amy DuPont or me or any of the other Fox 6 on-air voices you hear a couple of times a week. No, a podcast is a news production that touches a whole lot of people before it's published into the ever-growing universe of podcasts. Today on Open Record, we take you behind the scenes to meet two of the people who make this podcast a reality. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson. Amanda St. Hilaire is on assignment. And today is Tuesday, September 29th. And I'm joined by our executive producer, Sarah Smith, and editor, Dave Machuda. Good morning, team. Good morning. Good morning. I, I'm, I'm staring. Now, no one can see this on the podcast, but I'm looking at my Zoom recording in front of me, and it's fun to see both of you under blankets, which I've been doing for six months now to try to get better audio. And yet here I am without a blanket, so I hope my audio is okay. But it's just fun. It's almost, I feel like we're little kids again where we all get to huddle under blankets, and it's like <laughs> it's like making a fort or something. I don't think I was as sweaty as a child, though. <laughs> So, all right. I don't so, Sarah, nearly as much. You are our executive producer, and and you have a, a, a long history before doing this at Fox Six. How did you, first of all, end up becoming the executive producer of Contact Six Investigations? I don't even know what your official title is. You're like the executive producer of everything. I feel like there's that little phrase. It's like jack of all trades, master of none. I feel like it was like a windy road to kind of get to where I am. I um, I actually will celebrate 13 years at Fox Six next month. And so it started out, I was a line producer, and then I worked Wake Up, and then Real Milwaukee came around in 2010, um, and uh, I produced that, I produced Studio A, I've produced, I think, every newscast at the station at one point in time. Um, eventually, I was executive producer of Real Milwaukee, and then took over uh, when a colleague left uh, as executive producer of the investigative team, Contact Six Unit, so... So now you say, and, and I, I hear this all the time, people say, you know, I produced this show or I produced that show, and, and I'm in the business and have been, so I know what that means. But for someone who's not worked in news, what does it mean to produce a newscast versus producing a show? What does that really mean? Yeah, so I used to explain it, and I still do, to relatives or friends that are like, so what does that mean? Uh, in simple terms, I write what the anchors read, and that's the simplest term 
uh, you know, way to describe it, but it's really laying out the show, what stories are going to go in, collecting the information to put in the script, finding the video, making the little graphics that come on the bottom of your screen, communicating with reporters, communicating with our assignment desk, who's helping organize all the logistics of the day. Um, there's a lot that goes into all your work is done in the time before your show actually airs. So you work for eight hours before your show airs, and the show is like the culmination of your shift each day. So you are not necessarily like the boss of the people you're working with, but you are running that show. It's your baby, right? Yep. You kind of are like the little train conductor, you know, who keeps everything on the tracks. Once, you know, once the show starts, I make sure everything is is timed properly so that we don't, so a half hour newscast doesn't go 45 minutes um, and you're responsible for those 28 minutes of content. And so that was that that's being you know line producer, show producer. And now ex- as executive producer, you have obviously much more of a management role. So you're you're doing all of those things you've done before and you're managing people, too. Right. And I corral cats, which is basically what it is. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of keeping people uh, still keeping people on track, making sure everyone is doing what they need to be doing fulfilling their responsibilities, whether it's a reporter, whether it's an editor, whether it's, um, you know, other members of the management team, keeping everyone in communication with each other about different jobs and projects that are happening at the station. And you do a remarkable job at it, which is something I have to say because you're my boss and I really have to butter you up when I can. So that's fantastic. How, how wait, wait, how long can this podcast go? Cause we could keep going on that. Well, that, so. you know, that's the beauty. <laughs> and we're going to talk about this later. That's the beauty of a podcast is there is like, unlike everything else we do in news, there's no strict time limit here. It could be 10 minutes. It could be an hour. And that's kind of strange because we've all worked in a world where seconds matter like two or three seconds can mean everything sometimes and here we could just blather on as long as we want yeah I, i'm well aware of how long you guys can just blather on as long <laughs> that, as you want that's a good point <laughs> yeah so that's a good time to bring in dave machuda our longtime editor at fox 6 and of course the editor of open record so before we talk about your job on open record what does it mean that's another thing you probably get a lot of questions from people what does it mean to be an editor of a newscast or of stories to be an editor at fox 6 what does that mean I still say edit videotape, even though we don't edit on videotape anymore, but I edit video of stories. So you write a script with uh, your voice track and sound bites and everything, and photographers shoot it, and I put it all together as a coherent story. So adding music, uh, maybe effects, maybe graphics, that kind of thing. Well, the fact that you say videotape might sound like a date you, but at least you don't say you're a film editor. <laughs> Correct. Because that wasn't probably much longer before you started. I mean, film, what was that? Maybe late 70s, even early 80s? I don't know. When did, when did film turn to video? Pro- probably late 70s kind of thing. Yeah. Um, even though, because I mean, I've been at the station for 26 years. Um, and when I started, we were still editing on three quarter inch tape, which yeah. is crazy at that time even though it was 26 years ago almost everybody had moved on from three-quarter inch tape so um i've edited pretty much everything but film now i don't think most people like at home i don't think three-quarter inch tape was ever like a consumer product right you didn't have but but I, i so i started in news my first television job was actually at the university of missouri in columbia missouri and and we had three quarter inch gear to shoot our newscasts on so it was like mid 90s which i think was pretty late for that as well um but but we but i i got that taste of you would carry around these giant record decks that had the tape in it and that was separate from your camera and it had a big fat blue cord that connected the two 
and and that and the tripods and the lights and I mean it I we, we I remember uh, we had a, a student uh, Flora Chen who's the sweetest woman you will ever meet and she was probably 88 pounds dripping wet and she had to carry what I think was well over 100 pounds of gear to do the news and she did it without complaint and I was all I always found that remarkable she had such a great attitude about it but yeah gear has changed over the years your editing job, I imagine, has changed because editing on tape versus now everything is obviously digital. It's computerized, and you're so good at it. But did you did you when that first happened? Did you like the transition, or were you one of those people who begrudgingly was like, "Ah, oh, this isn't the same as tape to tape"? I, how, how did you like the transition initially? I liked the transition a lot because I actually had a, like a home editing system with Adobe Premiere and that type of stuff before the station ever converted to digital. Um, and so when we finally did make the transition to digital nonlinear editing, I was, I had already been doing it for a year or two at home. Uh, and so I've, I've been doing it for quite a long time and really enjoy it. We, we talk about this a lot, uh, because Dave, you've been editing, not just all sorts of things at the station, but you've specifically done investigation since I've been here. Um, in, I came in 2004, so I've been here 16 years now. And, uh, and there's so much turnover in local news that you see faces come and go to have a 16 year relationship between a reporter and editor. I think it's pretty extraordinary anymore. So we've worked together a very long time. And when you do these pieces, I, I've, I've thought many times, like, I don't know what I will do if, if Dave is not here, because there are some things that I do that I'm sure are quirks about me that I just know, well, Dave's going to know what I do. He's going to know what I mean. He's going to know what I need. Um, but when it comes to doing long form editing and you've got to sometimes, especially with the investigators, with Amanda and me, we don't always have stories that are the easiest to visualize. The job in TV is to try to come up with really compelling visuals, but sometimes they're very document heavy. They're very information heavy. And we've really put the burden on you at times to say, okay, Dave, can you come up with something to make this look good? Can you tell me about how that's sort of driven you or frustrated you or whatever over the years to, to maybe evolve in how you edit? Well, we, we definitely rely on documents and graphics much more than we ever used to. Um, going back a couple digital systems, I remember editing on Avid and figuring out for the first time how to bring in a, a digital document, whether it's a PDF or something like that, and being able to bring that into the system and, and manipulate it for the first time and was like very excited about that. Now I sort of <laughs> shake my head and say, damn, I wish we had never started that because then I wouldn't have to rely on documents for half of a package. Well, you're so good at it that we that's that's sort of the problem. The, the better you are at it, the more we go, oh, well, Dave will be able to make this look good. Well, and it's one of those things that having done them for so long, I'm really tired of everything I've ever done with a document. Like how many times can you show a document? You know, there, there's ways you can do it like in 3D so that it looks like it's physically laying on a desk and with a virtual light and that kind of thing. The most important thing is getting information across. And so if you're the most important thing is highlighting a certain part of the graphic and that kind of stuff and making sure that people understand what's going on, not that it's just stuff flying around the screen. Well, what's what's easy for me to forget sometimes until I see it is is you do such a great job of whatever your creative way is of zeroing in, highlighting, filling out letters, cutouts, movements, whatever it is. When you watch it, you hear my voice or 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 Amanda's voice, and you see that the text supporting what's going on, so you understand. You don't notice as much how much that graphic 
helps your understanding until you don't have it. Because there are times in, in quick day turns, I'm working maybe with an editor who's who's on a much tighter deadline and doesn't have the experience with that kind of document manipulation uh, that you do, and they're just not able to do that in a short amount of time or with the experience level, and it's not there, and you realize it's the same words, it's the same thing, it's the same techniques I've always used, but that visual support isn't there, and so as a viewer, you don't quite get it or you don't quite understand it, or it doesn't have the same punch. It means so much to have those visuals. And, and you have done some really creative things over the years with that, but I, I know that uh, we sometimes come to rely on that so much because you do such a good job of it. Um, but it, so to, to bring it back around to, to this, you have you've got this whole suite of skills that to some degree has been out of necessity because you've had to fill these gaps that we've given you. But... Um, what you do today, how does it compare to what you did when you started at the station, you know, 26 years ago? <laughs> um, well, the main difference is now I edit the longer form, you know, the investigations and things like that. When I started, I was a show editor. So it, it, I always call show editing like meatball surgery. You're just getting the stuff in and out as fast as you can versus now I spend two days editing one story that type of thing. And, you know, just, it's just, it's so much easier to manipulate video and do more, you know, more creative things with it. Um, even just things like audio too. I mean, back in the day of tape, you had, you know, two channels of audio to deal with. Now you can basically, it's unlimited if you wanted to. So, you know, sound effects, music, all that kind of stuff. So Sarah, well, for both of you, I mean, we, we didn't have for pretty much any of our careers here, a podcast. We didn't have like this audio baby that we now have. And, and, and Sarah, that started before you came into this role as executive producer of the investigative unit. So our executive producer, Leanne, was the one who, um, who has since moved on and, and, uh, and works uh, in the public relations world uh, in healthcare. She was the one who sort of started this whole thing. And I remember she did all kinds of research into just how to make a podcast and how do podcasts work and what makes a good podcast and how do you structure it and and what's the equipment we need and, and we ordered microphones and she got the sound mixing board and, and we set up a studio on the second floor of the building not far from the general manager's office where there was some empty space and we got this thing up and running and we had this great groove going and then um but but leanne had done so much homework on this she was the only one who knew how to do it and then she was leaving and we're like, what are we going to do? And then along comes Sarah. So Sarah, you come into this. I assume you had never worked on a podcast before that, right? I had not at all. I barely even listened to podcasts. Like my commute to work from my house at the time, this was back in December of 19. The commute from my house to work is about three and a half minutes. I don't have time <laughs> to listen to any podcast. It would take me four weeks. Um, you, you don't have time to listen to one of my stories <laughs> that run five minutes fair. on that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow. Fair. So I. So anyway, so when it was time for me to take over, you know, Leanne is walking me through the steps and I'm feverishly writing down, you know, hoping that I remember this when she leaves because I'm, you know, chicken scratching shorthand here. But I remember distinctly being in that studio where we were recording that room and she I was writing the stuff down and she was explaining it to me and I remember looking at her going does anyone else at the station know how to do this and she looked at me and shook her head no and I suddenly wanted to pass out but because it was then going to fall all on my shoulders you know and thankfully it all kind of worked itself out but 
it's yeah, it definitely was something that was a uh, new territory for me and, you know, all of us really that were uh, a part of the project. Well, and speaking of new territory, you took over and it wasn't long after that. I mean, not long at all after that, that all of a sudden there's a pandemic and we're being told you've got to go work from home. And my first thought was, OK, that's the end of open record for a while. This that part's done. Now we've just got to focus on these pandemic stories. And, and I know you and Amanda actually talked at length about how are we going to take this from the studio we've created? How are we going to take it home and do this remotely? Can you talk a little bit about that whole process of figuring this out? Yeah. So when um, obviously, you know, it's I had just kind of gotten into the stride of things and great. And then all of a sudden, you know, like you said, hey, everyone's going to work from home. So Amanda and I tried to figure out a way that we could still do the podcast without being in the same room. And this was before a lot of us knew about Zoom and, you know, all these video conferencing platforms. So Amanda and I uh, found two um, like remote microphone recording systems um, that you could record your audio on, that it was really good quality. And then it would be the, the a phone Tascam call. The DR-10X, which <laughs> yes. I'm holding right now. Yeah. So, I mean, it was that and it was, hey, let's Skype at the same time and we'll do a Skype call and we'll just record the audio and get it to Dave. And so we did a couple test runs of it, not really knowing was this going to work when we weren't sitting two feet from each other. Um, and so that's kind of how that part started once we were all going to be leaving the building. And that that being able to make that work is where Dave comes in because we're taking now what we're doing is and this is what we're doing this morning. Um this I I was joking earlier probably before we got started that it's it's like a bunch of kids sitting around with blanket forts. Um everyone's got blankets over their head although I'm not at the moment so I you know I'm taking the risk that my audio may not sound as good as it has at other times. But but I see Dave and Sarah both have blankets over their heads and it's not because we just want it to feel like a a a slumber party it's because that is how you maybe get better sound by not having audio echoing off hard walls and hardwood floors. Um, but so I'm looking at you on Zoom as you guys have blankets over your heads. We're each recording on an individual device. I've got the fancy Tascam recorder. You and Dave are both just using voice memos on your phones. We end up with these multiple audio streams. And now, Dave, you've got to marry all of that together and also edit out all of our goof ups and mistakes. Uh, that's a that was a brand new thing just six months ago, right? Oh, totally. I mean, now it's like such a second nature kind of thing, throwing all the audio tracks down and doing it. I can pretty much do it with my eyes closed. But at the beginning, I had no real idea, and we had to come up with this three, two, one syncing thing. Um, it's not the most glamorous thing in the world, but it's uh, it's it's fun to listen to the podcasts every day. I mean, I enjoy listening to you guys most. <laughs> Most days. Well, and you have to because that, that's the thing that always surprises me is we've put a lot of trust in you because sometimes we'll make goof ups and we'll go, oh, you know what? Hang on. I'm going to do that part again. And I never send you a note that says, hey, at around, you know, 16 minutes in, I paused and redid a thing, which means you have to listen to the whole thing, listening for goof ups or mistakes. And, and I've noticed in listening to the final product at times, there are times you've edited something out that didn't probably have to go, but you've made me sound a little better. And I'm like, oh, he caught it. That was really good. He he made me sound better than I really am. <laughs> which is nice. I was going to say the the one thing that we have to also talk about or just at least acknowledge is that before we all left the building back in March, we were doing this like once every other week. So so we would record one and maybe two at, at one time. And so that would be like an hour's worth of work for. And if you know, we recorded two, Brian that got Amanda. us through two weeks. Correct. That almost got us through a month, to be honest, you know. So then we leave the building. And because at the time, 
there was so much unknown surrounding the coronavirus and the different developments. I mean, things were changing literally by the hour. And we ended up doing podcasts every day so that we weren't even in the building and we were turning them every single day for months. Yeah. And, and I recall hitting a breaking point with that where I, I uh, was having because we were we were doing a podcast every day, including the setup, including the cold opens and things like that. And then going out and turning a story for the day. And I remember for the first couple of weeks, it was like you're on this adrenaline rush of this is one of the biggest stories of our time. And it's a national emergency. And so if I work 12 hours every day, then I work 12 hours every day. After a few weeks, a month, two months, it was breaking me. And uh, and, and I, we finally said, okay, we have to talk about when do we back this thing back down. But at the time, it was still such a, a, an evolving emergency. This is what Safer at Home was still in place and, and things like that. Over time, things started, other things started creeping into the news. And we thought, okay, maybe we can back this off. And But we didn't back off to one a week. We're still doing two. Um, so it's still, it's still a, a workload, but I, I like this because I think there's enough to talk about. I mean, it was originally a coronavirus special edition every day, and now it's coronavirus, it's presidential election, it was the DNC, it's, you know, uh, uh, unrest over police uh, issues. And so there's so many topics that have come into play. We have more than enough to talk about, but that still means it's two things a week we weren't doing before any of this. Well, and I think it's important also to note that between you and Amanda and Jenna, this isn't just hop on a Zoom and just start talking. There is planning that goes into what's included. Um, you write those cold opens and pull the sound bites and get the information and write the outline of it. And that doesn't just happen in 10 minutes. It's it's That's a process that happens ever before you sit and do this Zoom call. No, my, my life has taken on a new uh, uh, pattern, which is, and, and in some ways it's good. I mean, I, I, I will say when we were working in a building and I had to be in at 9 a.m., I would get up at the same time I do now because I got to take my kids to school back then, you know, when things were in person. And and so I would go take them to school at 630 in the morning and then I'd come home and I would have a little time. I might sit on my phone, drink my coffee, take the dog for a walk and sort of take my time in the morning before I'm like, oh, I think I've got to get to work now. Uh, and I look back at that and think, wow, how did I ever take that much time in the morning just to myself? Because now I get up at 630 in the morning and if I don't have the kids, I'm down in my basement office where I am right now. I'm researching the podcast or I'm, you know, getting going on, you know, whatever it might be. So it's not just the writing of the cold open. When Amanda takes over the writing, I actually sometimes do more work because it's a topic she's familiar with. So now I realize I better start reading up on this and making sure I'm up to speed so I can speak semi-intelligently about whatever it is we're talking about. The last thing you want to do as the host of a podcast is sound like you don't know what you're talking about. And I probably do sometimes, but at least I've tried. <laughs> I've done my best to sound like I know what I'm talking about. So yeah, there, there's work that goes into it, but I find there's real reward. And one of the things I put in our list of sort of talking points for this today was like, does anyone listen to this? Because we do all of this work and at a certain point you wonder, does anyone listen? Are they Are they paying attention? And how do we know? And I know that's something you're able to track, right, Sarah? Yeah, so when I, you know, once Dave lets us know that he's done editing the podcast and it's ready for me, then I take it and I put it on um, a platform called Art19, which then disperses it um, to any other um, podcast downloading platforms that you might use, Apple, Stitcher, any of those, and it disperses it there. So I'm able on Art19 to track downloads uh, for each episode. And obviously some do better than others. Some are more interesting to people. Some may get 
socialed out on Twitter or Facebook and people might just happen to look at that time and click on it. We also publish them and post them on our website, fox6now.com. And, you know, people can download it there. They can actually, I put the player right in the post so you can listen right there. You don't even have to have a, a, you know, a special podcast player on your phone. You can listen to it right from our website. I will tell you what I like most about this format and why I love doing it. If there's five listeners, mom, I know you're listening. My mom's a big fan of the podcast. (laughs) Um, So, uh, but, but, you know, what I love about this is this is the one place that we can talk at length about not only what we do, but about the stories. And so often, in fact, every story I do, there's more to tell than I was able to put on TV. Even though what I do ends up being four, five, sometimes six minutes, which is an eternity in local news, it's still just scratching the surface of what we know or what I could tell you. So when we get to do this and we can talk for 20, 30, 40 minutes about a story, I can really give more insight into how did we get there? What couldn't we tell you? What do we still not know? Um, I just feel like this is more, this is more like having a radio show, which as you guys know, for me is sort of like going back home because I started in radio, but I love the format. It's much more conversational and it also allows us to do things that we just can't do in the confines of a newscast, like Jason Calvi's one-on-one interviews. We just had one the other day with, uh, who did he talk to? It was the Secretary of State who just came to uh, Wisconsin. We, we played the full interview. Only six minutes long, but you can't put a six-minute raw interview in a newscast. So, so I do enjoy that. Dave, I want to ask you this because this is obviously very different editing from video editing. Do you like the freedom it gives you, especially like with those cold opens to only think about the audio? Or is it, is it I mean, how, how, do, how do you feel about it compared to doing what you've done for so long, which is video editing? I, I, I love being able to mess with the audio and not have to worry about covering the edit. Um, so like, as, as an example, I also edit uh, Carl Deffenbaugh's podcast. He had one particular person where she said, um, a lot. And it started to annoy me. So I started cutting them out and then I started counting them, which I shouldn't have done. And I think, you know, by the time <laughs> I stopped counting, she was up to like, I had edited out 200 ums at some point. And, but I can which do you that. do with video, yeah. Yeah, you can't do that with video. You can just like shorten up, you know, there are some people that have a tendency to restart the sentence like three times. Um, so you take out the first two restarts and then just start from there. You know, that, that type of little vocal ticks and things that come out much easier because you're only editing the audio. Without, without editing, without Dave's editing, I don't know if you guys know this, I am incredibly dry, repetitive, and boring. Um, and with Dave's editing, I'm only mildly repetitive, dry, and boring. So uh, he makes the podcast so much better. Uh, Sarah, uh, w- when we talk about getting this thing to where people can actually listen to it, when we're done with all of this and Dave's edited every day, I get this notification that the pod is in inbox, which is where we store our video and audio. And, and then from there, it has to like magically get from this file to out there into the podcast world. And it wasn't until you went on vacation and sent out the instruction list for how to do that, that I realized this is not as simple as just click post and done. There's a lot of steps to it. Um, it, it, it is not as easy as it might sound, is it? Um, no. And, and like Dave said, it kind of just happens now because I'm just so used to it. So it's a very fluid and, and fast process for me. But it's like you have to write a little description about what the podcast has in it. Then there's like a one liner description and then you had to click a bunch of little boxes and upload and, 
you know, publish and if you want to schedule it instead of publishing it right away. So there's a bunch of, you know, little nuances about it. Um, I think one of the most challenging parts for me, and I think the whole I-team and Jenna knows this, is coming up with a title for each podcast episode. We have, sometimes we have discussions about the title that are longer than the podcast itself. <laughs> Correct. Because we're just, like, because you uh, only yeah. got a couple of words and, and you want it to make sense, but you, and, and fit the topic, but have we already used it or is that really representative? And we'll debate titles Sometimes, like I say, for longer than the 20 or 30 minutes we jabbered on in the and show. And we, we, we go back and forth about, like, trying to be um, clever uh, or alliteration or whatever. Or it's like, okay, that this is what it says. Or we'll say a title, but that has nothing really to explain what the actual podcast is about, but it sounds good. I have a great idea. I have a great idea. We should do this right now on the podcast. We should come up with a title for today's podcast while we are on the podcast. I have already thought about it. I've been thinking about it ever since do you, you, you do know, you said, have here's one? what we're doing. Uh, Suggestions? No. Dave, anything? Um, I was going to say, oh, f***'s sake. <laughs> <laughs> so Dave will get to beep himself for the, or bleep himself for the first time on a podcast. So that's fantastic. I was, Better him I, than me. I was thinking, yeah, I mean, like you, you just like open record behind the scenes. It's kind of lame. It's kind of, but it's, but it's descriptive, right? Um, True. It could it is be, what it is. Um, you know, uh, open record under the blanket. I mean, that's every every open record. So I don't. You know. Nope, we're not doing that one. <laughs> um, so this is what we do. You just—it's like a brainstorming session um, as to to what the the podcast title should be. And sometimes there's just a moment of silence where we think, "Hmm, what have we talked about today? We talked about." Um, uh, Covering documents. We can just call it covering documents. Yeah, sure. Um, visualizing <laughs> documents. How to documents. make documents 3D. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, because you want it to be exciting and interesting. Like somebody sees – this is that's why this matters. Someone's going to see the title and make a decision, do I want to listen to that? And if it's boring, meh, they might miss some really great content that we have. So we've got to pick something that makes sense but is also like, oh, that's intriguing. I kind of want to hear more about that. Like – um, all about Sarah. Oh, I want to know more. I don't know. <laughs> so we have to think of, of how these things. Well, we'll come up with something. But you guys, this is this is what it's like. We spend inordinate amounts of time trying to come up with the perfect title. Ooh, what if that's what it was? The, the perfect, perfect title. title. <laughs> I just thought about that the like open record. perfect title. Okay. What's the title? The perfect title. Anyway, so before we go, and I know uh, we don't have a time limit on these, but we all have jobs to do. So I don't want to keep you guys too much longer. And I really appreciate you joining me for this sort of special edition of the podcast today. But I want to ask this because now that we're in COVID world and we have been for many, many months, um, Sarah, I, I see on so many meetings and you're in meetings all day long, it seems like sometimes. But in meetings, you've got, you know, children in the background and you've got them home because of they're doing school from home. Right. Are they are they Actually, all virtual or are they back in school now? Nope. They're they're in person. So they're, back, they're oh, going they in, in person. person. OK. Yeah. Yep, so did, did, you, it, did you have a celebration when that happened? Just because you have a, a moment of, of solitude? Every day. It's been delightful. Uh, and they love it. And, you know, the school is great and taking wonderful precautions and everything. Um, but it is nice to have a quiet house in the morning for all the meetings. The, the challenge I run into is when I go pick them up from school and come home. And if I have something else to do for work... It's like, hey, guys, give me seven minutes. I just have to make this phone call or I have to read this script. And then I end up having to read the script with my ears plugged because I can't concentrate or, um, you know, just having a meeting and saying, hey, just 
guys, I actually have to talk in this meeting, so I'm going to unmute myself. So please just keep it down. So um, uh, technology has kind of become my co-parent sometimes of like, hey, watch your tablet, turn on this, go watch a movie. So now, Dave, your kids are grown, but how has COVID changed sort of your workflow? What what works? I mean, I, for so many years, all I've I, I come to work and and Dave would be in his edit booth, which is a small booth decorated very extravagantly with things you love and are of interest to you. But that's been like your home space. Now you're actually at home. How has this changed what you do and the way you do things? Um, I've gotten fatter. <laughs> Well, that's all of us. That's that's every single one. Get of in us. line because the fridge is five feet away, and so you get into a sort of a routine where I've got to be drinking something or eating something almost all the time while I'm editing. You know, you you make an edit, you grab a chip. You make an edit, grab another chip. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but other than that, it's it's amazingly similar to editing at the station. Things are slower, so it's harder to get video. You're much slower to download stuff, slower to upload things. But other than that, it's it's a amazingly similar to just doing it at the station. Well, anyway, I like I said, I've kept you both uh, probably far longer than you intended to help me out this morning, but thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I, I, I really wanted people who listen to this podcast to know that you hear Amanda, you hear me, but we are just a slice of the whole process that gets this thing uh, into your uh, device, wherever you listen to us. Um, so, so Sarah and Dave, and I know the podcast is only a very small part of what you do, but it's an important one. So thank you for joining me this morning and, and for everything you guys do. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you. All right. So we're going to continue bringing you these twice weekly episodes of Open Record as we cover all kinds of things. The COVID-19 pandemic, presidential election, police community relations, and so much more. If there's a topic you want us to discuss or an issue you think we should investigate, please send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. That is fox, the number six, investigators at fox.com. And as always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible, from producer Pete, who's been on previous episodes, to Suzanne Barthel, who steps in when Dave's not able to edit, Dave Machuda, of course, and executive producer Sarah Smith. And please do subscribe to Open Record if you haven't done that already. It helps us because we get to count your downloads. So please tell your friends, your family, and uh, you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back with our next regularly scheduled episode on Thursday. Thursday.